The Dallas Cowboys make a statement in their win against the Minnesota Vikings. The New England Patriots walk it off against the New York Jets. And we take a look at the AFC and NFC playoff pictures. All that and more on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostracker, one of the many experts over here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today, making Locked On NFL your first listen of their free and available on all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. And we're here taking you through the biggest stories of Sunday's NFL action in week 11 and today's episode of locked on nfl is presented by prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy pick two to five players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can answer 10 times money on your entry first time users are going to receive one of the bus match up to also promo code locked on this pricepicks.com promo code locked on and week 11 provided some crazy NFL action as we saw walk-off wins, we saw statement wins. We're going to be diving into all of that here today in the first segment. We'll be diving into the Patriots winning us the New York Jets last second with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. Then moving on to the second segment, we'll dive into the Dallas Cowboys and their trouncing of the Minnesota Vikings with Landon McCool over at Locked On Cowboys. And finally, I'll be taking you home in the final segment. We'll look at the AFC and NFC playoff pictures as they begin to take a little bit of shape. We'll talk about some contenders who might be pretenders and who could make a big jump in the standings. So let's dive into our first segment now. Let's talk with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. Well, we had an instant classic AFC East divisional battle in week 11 between the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. And the Patriots come out on top. So that means Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots is here to break down the game with me. And Mike, I'm sure you're feeling all types of emotions right now, especially after this game looks to be deadlocked at three going into overtime. But then you have the Marcus Jones punt return experience. I mean, just take me through that play and what you were feeling. Well, I mean, at that point, Kevin, it's really all about just raw emotion, like you said. I mean, in the first half, there were a lot of sloppy play on both sides of the ball. Both teams really kind of seeing which one wanted to give it away even more. Special team snafus, penalties, anything you could possibly think of that could go wrong went wrong in the first half, I think, for both squads. And really, I think it created a very uh, malaise uh, feeling to be overcoming the, uh, the Foxborough crowd in New England for this game, but Marcus Jones, ice water running through the veins. This kid, ankle injury, automatically a lot of people thought he was not going to come back. He was listed officially as questionable to return in this game after leaving very shortly after the second half began with the ankle injury. He comes back, and not only does he come back, he comes back with a vengeance. And, you know, bottom line, he has the skill to do that. It's not the first time he's broken uh, the game for a game win. It's the first time he's done it as a pro, but in his redshirt senior season at the University of Houston, returned a kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown with 17 seconds left, did it against 19th-ranked SMU. That won Houston the game 44-37. to That's the season where he won the Paul Hornig Award. So, that's the guy that the New England Patriots saw in the draft, and he showed up big time today in a game the Patriots needed to win. Yeah, they absolutely did. But 
in terms of Mac Jones, Mike, this is a guy who I know mm. there's been some controversy up there in New England about is Mac Jones the guy? Should Mac Jones even be starting right now? And the Patriots offense, again, didn't score a touchdown, only three points on the day is the Marcus Jones touchdown was the only touchdown of the day for both teams. But how did he look in this one? Only four incompletions, 246 yards. Was this a performance you were impressed by, by Mac Jones against, I think, an underrated Jets defense? Yeah, considering the prowess of the defense that he faced and also considering the performance of the offensive line, which was nothing short of abysmal uh, today. And there were reasons for that. And I'll get into that in just a second. But this was an efficient performance from Mac Jones. This is the type of performance where you see him capable of completing his passes, utilizing play action. Surprisingly, Mac was pretty good when they utilized play action. I don't think the Patriots did that nearly enough today, or I should say on Sunday. That will possibly increase or it could possibly decrease based on uh, the news that's going to come out regarding Senator David Andrews leaving with what really is described as a, a, a very painful and potentially serious thigh injury. Definitely hoping the best for him, but not looking good with David out right now. So if that is indeed the case, as well as Isaiah Wynn going down, the Patriots do have some issues on the offensive line to correct. But ultimately, I think this was a minor step in the right direction for Mac still seeing some decision-making issues, still seeing a little bit of reticence in his pocket presence, doesn't seem to be what it was in his rookie season, but I think a lot of that is from the uncertainty from the offensive line and some of the uncomfortable nature of the way the play calling is going. But when this team finds its niche on all cylinders, they can be very effective on offense, and we saw seedlings of that on Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, and when you talk about the AFC East, Mike, it's a division that many people are saying, could they send four teams to the playoffs? Because <laughs> obviously you have the Dolphins and Bills at 7-3. and three. They're the Patriots and Jets now both at 6-4. and four. What do you make of this division? Obviously a lot of talented teams and the Patriots right in the thick of it still. Yeah, I mean, right now the AFC East has come a long way from the days where people used to refer to it as the AFC least. I mean, even members of the New England media used to call the remaining three teams in this division, along with the Tom Brady-led Patriots, quote-unquote, tomato cans. It's not that way anymore. These teams have a great capability of not only going into the playoffs, but going deep into the playoffs. Buffalo and Miami, in my opinion, still the class of this division, but the New England Patriots and the New York Jets are going to be in for a fight toward the end of the season, and the Patriots holding two victories over the Jets is definitely a good thing. So while this didn't juggernaut them into immediate playoff contention, the Patriots let everyone know today, don't count us out. We're still here, and if you give us the opportunity to win, we have a chance to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and what does a win like this do to the confidence of this team? The defense has been playing well all season. The offense, you mentioned, they showed some potential in this game. So what do you think the confidence level is around New England right now? Yeah, I think right now, I think they're cautiously optimistic in terms of confidence. I think Bill Belichick is going to show them the offensive miscues. I think he's going to show them a few of the special teams miscues, but he's also going to show them the defensive prowess and what they were able to do. Zach Wilson is not an also-ran quarterback. The Patriots held him to only 77 yards throwing on the day. They only held the Jets' rushing attack to 59 yards completely as a team. You put out that kind of defensive effort in terms of getting after the quarterback and making key sacks and key stops, especially in third and fourth down situations where it was imperative that the Patriots needed stops to continue and be able to stay in this game. They did just that. So there is where the niche comes in. That's where the New England Patriots look to build on um, uh, a, um, a performance like this. 
Again, still a lot to correct if the Patriots want to try to compete with some of the other teams in this conference. But right now they're playing pretty good football, and I don't think they've reached their potential just yet. Yeah, there's a lot to like in New England right now. They needed a win like this, as Mike talked about. And for more on the New England Patriots, be sure to follow Mike's work over at the Locked On Patriots podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mike, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for hopping on here. The Patriots needed that win. And then an AFC East division that has a ton of talent. We see Buffalo. We see Miami. We even see the Jets and the Patriots in that conversation. New England still is firmly in the conversation for obviously a playoff spot, but maybe, maybe for that AFC East crown, if all goes right for them. But coming up in our second segment, we'll be diving into the Cowboys and their trouncing in Minnesota with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to dive into here on the show. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Total Wine. And this holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine and more with so many great bottles to choose from. It's easy to find a new favorite Cabernet or Chardonnay or the perfect gifts for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide. And all with the confidence of knowing you found something for the lowest price. Love what you find, only a Total Wine and more. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Drink responsibly. B21. And this episode is sponsored by Turo. And Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. So Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it from. A community of local hosts across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and coming soon to Australia. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. You can book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip and get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or even a holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget or just need to get from point A to point B. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. We just talked with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots about that Patriots big win, but the Dallas Cowboys making a statement in their winning against Minnesota in Week 11. We'll talk with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys about that now. Well, the Dallas Cowboys made a statement on Sunday with a 40-3 drubbing of the Minnesota Vikings. You're here to break it all down with me is Landon McCool, one of the hosts over at Locked on Cowboys. And Landon, this is a game that I think some people really did expect the Cowboys to come in and win, but I don't think the way they did it was as expected. I mean, what, what went into this for the Cowboys and how were they able to dominate through four quarters here? Yeah, I mean, I think they got Minnesota kind of caught in the trap, right? That The way that the Cowboys want to play is they want to score early. They don't want to control the, the time of possession. Uh, and they want to make you throw the have to throw the football to win. And if they do that, then you have to solve the, the, the Quinn gambit of all these defensive linemen he's going to throw at you. And they're going to twist. They're going to uh, stunt. Uh, and, and it all just kind of played right into the Cowboys game script today. And, and, and you kind of saw exactly what happens when when that happens yeah and you have the 40 point offense here you have Dak Prescott doing his thing 276 and two scores Tony Pollard another electric game from him uh, over 100 yards receiving two touchdowns through the air for him plus 80 yards rushing and then you have Zeke Elliott with two touchdowns on the ground what's that one-two punch like that the Cowboys have been rocking with all year here it's just like, uh, you know, they've had such a high level of success rate. There's been so much discussion about the usage and are they using it correctly? But I, it's it's hard to argue with the fact the facts of how well it's worked the way that the Cowboys have used it. So, uh, you know, right now it's it's seemingly kind of a, an even uh, a, a distribution of, of touches between these two guys. And, and that seems to keep Pollard fresh enough be between these games uh, while also giving Zeke some of the difficult, you know, carries. And you saw it 
today. They had some third and ones. They had some short yardage stuff on the goal line. That's when they were using Zeke, and he had a high level of success there. So I think that they've really kind of found their groove in in the proper uh, uh, ways to deploy these running backs to get the, the best results for the team uh, so far these last few weeks. Yeah, and Pollard, Pollard is a weapon for Dak Prescott to throw that yeah. football to. But what, what do you make of the other weapons that he has right now? Pollard was 109, but no other Cowboys receiver had over 45 yards. C.D. Lamb had 5 for 45 in this one. Are, are you impressed with what you're seeing by this wide receiver core, or do you want to maybe see a bit more? I, you know, I think we're all kind of leading towards the the Odell Beckham Jr. conversation, which will obviously kick into serious high gear this year week as he's uh, supposedly supposed to visit us and, and maybe even the Giants, according to some reports. Uh, look, I, I think that this is a very typical way that the Cowboys want to win these games, right? They want to distri- distribute the football to a number of different folks. Uh, you did see uh, 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 Noah Brown get involved. You saw Michael Gallup start to take another step forward, looking more and more like the guy that we saw at different points last year. Uh, and I think that's encouraging. Uh, you know, CD Lamb didn't have the big numbers that he had last week, but again, the Cowboys came out with the win and, and they had a much more efficient looking offense than they had previously. So I, I think whatever works to kind of continue to move the football, if that means more touches for the running backs, more, more, more time on the ground, and then just taking advantage of the opportunities and having an efficient passing game that gets you the chunk plays when you need it and not waiting till third down to throw the football. I think that's the formula for the Dallas Cowboys and, and attacking early in the downs and, and not kind of waiting to have to like get into 11 personnel and third and long situations uh, and knowing yet to have to throw the football. When the Cowboys are able to remain balanced, they're able to attack defenses in a variety of ways. And I think that's ultimately what they want to do uh, throughout the game if it's possible. Now, you mentioned Odo Beckham. I have to ask you the question about him. Just if he does decide to sign with Dallas, if that's the route he ends up going, and if he's fully healthy, I mean, what would he bring to this Dallas offense, and how could he be worked in by the coaching staff? Well, I mean, I think it's, first of all, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to be fully healthy, right? Like if he's right. coming off an ACL injury. So, and we, and, and the Cowboys fans, you know, we just saw Michael Gallup c- come off with a similar situation. He was cleared several weeks ago, but he hasn't started looking like Michael Gallup until these kind of last few weeks uh, coming back from it. So it's, it's a process, but where he does help the Cowboys immediately is that he is a, reliable target he is a bad ball catcher if the ball you know you if Dak is having to throw off his back foot or he's having to throw on the run he knows that Odell will make the play to go get the football maybe he isn't the uh, explosive dynamic player immediately when the Cowboys get him but the hope is is that if that does if they, the Cowboys are able to get him it adds another reliable uh, player that, that Dak can, can get to on third downs when he needs to, and then potentially a guy that as he starts to get healthier is another deep threat for, for Dak because they, you know, they don't necessarily have uh, a full-blown deep threat you know, with, with Gallup kind of still on the mend. Uh, this gives you another opportunity to have, add another one of those to your arsenal. Yeah, and even on the defensive side of the ball here, you have Dallas. The Vikings offense, they have weapons. I mean, Justin Jefferson, yeah. Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook in there. They did a phenomenal job. You kind of mentioned it, Landon, when we started talking right before getting to this part of the show. But just where did you see the most impressive parts of that defense on Sunday? Well, I think what we didn't see is is a lot of passes to Justin Jefferson, who's the best receiver in football. We didn't see a ton of Thielen. We didn't see a ton of success in Hawkinson. So I, I think that is an uh, you know attribution, obviously, to the pass rush, as we discovered, as we talked about earlier. But but I also think the pass coverage itself was really good. You saw uh, Trayvon Diggs I, for a large proportion of the game. 
uh, following Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think you saw curse on, 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 uh, on Hawkinson a little bit. Uh, and I think that they had some success there. Anthony Brown, who's the Cowboys second cornerback was kind of in and out of the game. Kelvin Joseph, who's the, his backup was kind of in and out of the game. Uh, but the Cowboys were able to kind of maintain a high level of coverage, you know, and I think that the other thing that I saw was that, you know, even though the the yard per carry looks good for Dalvin Cook, the Cowboys defense was able to early in the game get the Vikings into situations where they had to uh, throw the football. And that's all about winning on first and second down and limiting yardage early on first and second down, which is what they were not able to do against Green Bay. So I, I think that is a big thing for the Cowboys. If they could find ways to win or limit, uh, you know, uh, uh, yardage on first and second down. They're going to win when most of these situations where they get into third and five plus it's, it's, it's about getting into those situations. That has been the issue for the Cowboys defense in the past. You mentioned that Green Bay loss, a huge statement win again, just being able to play angry off of that loss and come out here with a dominant performance. You have the NFC Eastland in a division that I don't know that many people expected the output that is put out this year. You have the Eagles at nine and one, then the Cowboys and Giants, both the seven and three, even the commanders at six and five right now. Is this the division the Cowboys have a realistic shot at winning this season? I think they can. I mean, it, it's look, I mean, it's at this point, obviously the Eagles have built a lead that it's really about if they can falter. You know, we saw them today against the Colts, who are, you know, not exactly an impressive team. They they just got a new coach for a reason. Uh, and it really was a struggle for 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 the Eagles to kind of overcome that. Uh, so the, I think that there is opportunity, even though I think they may play the easiest schedule or, or statistically one of the easiest schedules for the rest of the year. Uh, if they falter at any point in these next few games, uh, they open the door for a very interesting uh, Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys where uh, they, they'll play they'll play Dallas. Uh, and this time we're not going to have our backup quarterback against them. And so uh, it's going to it would set up quite a, an interesting game. And that's ultimately, I think, what Cowboys fans are hoping for is just for that game to mean something and not, you know, just a, a throwaway game at the end of the season against a team that's obviously going to be uh, the division winner and another team that's obviously going to be a wild card uh, playoff team. Well, the Cowboys suit up again on Thanksgiving, another game for them. And for more on the Cowboys and Landon is work, be sure to check out the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Landon, thanks so much for hopping on. The NFC East, it's a division that I don't think a lot of people expected a ton from, but Dallas is in the thick of that conversation still. And with a 40-3 to win like they had against Minnesota, they obviously raise a lot of eyebrows in a good way in terms of what they could do potentially moving forward here for the remainder of the year. But coming up, we'll be diving into the AFC and NFC playoff pictures as they stand right now. Of course, pending Monday Night Football. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to dive into here on Locked on NFL. First, though, this episode of Locked on NFL is brought to you by Prize Picks and another good week for me in fantasy. I would say I'm very pleased with how Week 11 went for me, although I did lose one of my, one of my matchups by 0.3 points. But if you want a different twist on fantasy, be sure to try out Prize Picks. It's super easy to use, and you can have a ton of current entries and how it works. You pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can go up to ten times money in an entry. There's no competing against other people, so see if projections available. Price picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. You have NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and more. And you can make in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Price Picks app. Go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. 
First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 or promo code locked on. That means you deposit $100, price base will give you $100. You deposit $50, price base will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. We're back here rounding out locked on NFL on Monday after Sunday's action in week 11. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Now be sure to make your second listen of the day locked on sports. Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. But let's round up the show here. Let's talk playoffs. The AFC and the NFC both have, I think, very worthy challengers for that Super Bowl crown. But the NFL has been super weird this year where we've seen upsets galore, teams that weren't supposed to be good or really good teams that were supposed to be really good or not good whatsoever. So let, let's look at this this playoff picture right now. We'll start with divisions and then we'll move into conference. So we'll go AFC first. Right now you have the Miami Dolphins in a tie with the Buffalo Bills for first place in the AFC East, but the tiebreakers put Miami on top of Buffalo right now, seven and three each. Then you have New England at six and four and the Jets at six and four. So that big win that we talked with Mike debate about in the first segment puts the Patriots over top of the Jets there. AFC North, Baltimore's leading that pack at seven and three on a four-game win streak right now. Then you have Cincinnati six and four, Cleveland three and seven, and Pittsburgh three and seven. So they're tied for third in that division, both losing and both looking like they're pretty out of that division race right now. AFC South, you have Tennessee at seven and three, Indianapolis at four and six, Jacksonville at three and seven, Houston at one and eight. I think Jacksonville's shown a lot of good things this year. I don't think it's their year this year, but I think this it, we're talking current playoff picture. Tennessee is probably Running away with that one. Then AFC West, you have Kansas City at eight and two, the Chargers at five and five, the Raiders at three and seven, the Broncos at three and seven. This, I mean, I will admit my mistake where I said I thought the AFC West was going to be the best division in football. Obviously, that has not been the case. Kansas City is in previous years here is running away with that division once again. All right, moving on to the NFC. Philadelphia at nine and one in that NFC East. Dallas. In New York at seven and three apiece there. Then you have Washington at six and five. NFC North, you got Minnesota at eight and two. Detroit at four and six. Green Bay at four and seven. And Chicago at three and eight. So that one looks like it's Minnesota's division, definitely. NFC South, a weird one, definitely. You have Tampa at five and five. Atlanta Falcons, five and six. New Orleans Saints, four and seven. And Carolina Panthers, three and eight. So Looks like Tampa Bay should be able to win that division, but the Falcons are making some noise and the, the Saints aren't going away either. And even, the, I mean, the Panthers still have a chance. It's a five-win leader division right now. So that one's up for grabs. Then you have NFC West, Seattle at six and four, San Francisco at five and four, Arizona at four and six, and Los Angeles at three and seven. Obviously, we're still waiting the Monday night results. San Francisco and Arizona facing off here tonight. So let's move to conference. We'll read those off quickly. In terms of the AFC, you have Kansas City right now comfortably in that one seed at eight and two. Miami is the two seed at seven and three. Tennessee is the three seed at seven and three. Baltimore is the four seed at seven and three. Then you have Buffalo, the number five seed. You guessed it, seven and three. Then the wild card teams, the other two right now actually would be New England and Cincinnati, both at six and four. The Jets are just outside the picture. After their loss, they are also at six and four, but you have tiebreakers there. So we'll we'll just do first nine for now, where we'll do the 
or first eight, excuse me, we'll do the seven playoff teams and then we'll do the one who's on the outside looking in. So moving on to the NFC, you got Philadelphia nine and one. They're in that one spot, Minnesota, despite the loss, still number two, because Seattle is the next closest team to them at six and four. They're number three. Tampa is the four at five and five and the wild card teams are Dallas at seven and three, the Giants at seven and three and the 49ers at five and four. And then you have the commanders at six and five right now who are in that first one out spot. So it is interesting where, look, there are so many ways that teams can jump in and out of this still, but this is the, the NFL is up for grabs right now. I would say, I mean, I think the real Super Bowl favorite in my opinion is, is the chiefs that they just, they are clicking on all cylinders. I think Philadelphia obviously is the biggest challenger in the NFC. They didn't look super great against the Colts after losing the commanders though. So you got to keep that in mind as we kind of move forward here and look at what they're going to have to go up against. But yeah, those are the top two seeds. And I think those are the, I guess the top two Super Bowl challengers. I think Miami's a real threat. I think Baltimore's a real threat. I still think Buffalo was a real threat. Tennessee could go either way. An impressive win against Green Bay on Thursday night football, but we'll see if that defense and obviously the rushing attack led by Derrick Henry can hold up there. Cincinnati, I think, can make some noise. Potentially New England's the same thing. But I, I think in the AFC, the, the definite challenger is Kansas City, Miami, Baltimore, Buffalo with kind of Tennessee, Cincinnati in that tier below range for me. Then in the NFC, I think Philadelphia is kind of in a class of their own right now. I think Dallas and Minnesota are in the, the second tier for me. Then you have Seattle kind of in that third tier with San Francisco. I'll, yeah, I'll do, I'll do Seattle, San Francisco in that third tier and then Tampa the Giants are in there in the fourth tier for me, but you can still see some movement here. A lot of divisional battles still to go, especially when you're talking about the AFC North, the NFC East, the NFC South, as we talked about, all these divisions are still up for grabs. And again, it's not like we have all these teams that like last year, there were so many teams and you can even go back two years where there were teams that didn't make the playoffs. What was the record? Like 11 and five or 10 and six didn't make the playoffs there are teams that aren't going to make the playoffs this year that have really good records and play really well this season, but because of how many good teams there are, and I don't, you know, not necessarily elite teams, but just good teams this year, that is where I am looking in terms of, all right, there might be an eight seed who just misses out or a nine seed that just misses out that maybe deserve to make the playoffs, but there were just so many good records this year that it, it just, it just wasn't in the cards for them. I know Miami dealt with that a couple of years ago. They were in a race with Baltimore and a couple other teams for that. So I think there are a lot of competitive teams this year. My Super Bowl favorite though, as I said, still the chiefs at this moment, but again, Baltimore can make some noise. The Eagles can make some noise. You got the bills and all these different teams, the dolphins and the Vikings and the Cowboys, there are teams to challenge, but it's a, it's a wide open NFL this year. I think it is absolutely wide open. A lot of teams can come for that Super Bowl championship. And then look, I'm excited to see what ends up happening there. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow.